Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, LifePoint Church? How y'all doing today? Come on, everybody. Aren't you glad you came to church? How many of you thank God for that extra hour of sleep last night? Ooh, let the Lord have his way. You know, you can get an extra hour of sleep every weekend if you go to bed an hour earlier. Come on, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you guys and uh, welcome to LifePoint Church. Hey, if this is your first time with us, I especially wanna greet you and say hello. My name's Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I get to serve as pastors here and honored to have you as a first-time guest if you take a moment and just scan that QR code on the seat back in front of you or you can fill out a uh, I'm new connect card there in the seat back. That would be your gift to us. But I wanna say welcome to all of you. Everybody joining us at Austin P State University. Come on, we're so glad to have you guys. We love you, Austin P campus, as well as our online campus, folks all around the country and around the world. We love it being in one church in many places. Hey, uh, just real quick, when you came into any of our locations, you should have received a worship guide. And I wanna encourage you, use this today, especially for notes on the back. Uh, this is gonna be one of those messages you're gonna wanna use uh, for the rest of your life. Come on, this is one of those good talks. Um, and there's some other just orient, orient yourself to the church kind of stuff on the front. Uh, small groups, how to get baptized. Today is our baptism Sunday, everybody. We love baptizing people. If you've never been water baptized as a Christ follower, today's your day. We have everything you need for it. And so we would love for you to be baptized after service. Um, we've got more information on our website. You can scan the QR code as well. And I do wanna highlight our mom's room. Uh, it's getting a ton of use. And let me just encourage you, if you bring your little kids in the service, that's great. We love having kids here. We never tell kids not to come in the room. However, if they start getting loud, fussy, or just can't stop amen in the preacher, uh, we would love for you to use our mom's room. And on behalf of everyone around you, that would be a help. And you'll, you'll be able to discern when, either by your good parenting or the judgmental eyes of your neighbors. Just follow the leading of that. Um, <clears throat> hey, thank you for uh, being a generous church. I just wanna give you uh, a thanks and also an update. But as always, thanks for being a generous church. We are a church that believes in and practice not only corporately, but it starts with you individually. We believe in tithing. The scripture teaches us we bring our first 10% to the Lord and we bring it through his house. If this is your church, I wanna encourage you to be a, a faithful and disciplined tither to the Lord. And uh, as the Lord gives to you, bring the first tenth to God and let it be an act of worship and an act of thanks to God. Throughout scripture, we see tithing is God's plan that the Lord put in place for believers to make provision for ministry, to, make, uh, to, to, to do ministry for others. It's also through our collective faithfulness to tithing that we build tabernacles and temples and buildings and churches in the New Testament. We provide ministry to families. It's also how we extend our hand beyond our church. Listen, our goal is not to just give to this place. We wanna be a blessing beyond this place. Can I hear an amen, everybody? This is why we partner with ministries that are doing works of compassion. We're so excited with our partnership with the local jail, with YAPAC Outreach, Hope Pregnancy Center. Every time you give, you're doing those same things. Every time you bring a tithe and give, you're, help, you're helping build the church, provide ministry for not only families here, but families outside of here. And your, your giving extends the hands of your church to do amazing works of compassion, not just in Clarksville, but around the world. Thank you so much. I do wanna give you guys a quick update about our new Tiny Town Road building. How many of you excited to know we're building a church on Tiny Town Road, everybody? Just an update for you on that. Um, we have gotten all of our zoning and all of our planning our, our plans approved through the planning commission. Come on, Jesus, now we are applying right now for our building permits 
And it is a hope, please don't be mad if it doesn't. I'm a pastor, visionary, evangelistic enterprise. So I'm gonna say, and, and I'm, I'm ready. Uh, but, you know, with building, it could always be, but wait, but wait. But my hope is we're gonna break ground before the end of this year and start building our building. In fact, that's probably gonna happen in December. Man, I'm so excited for the thousands of people that will have a healthy, life-giving church. And we are adding to the other healthy, life-giving churches throughout this city. How many of you know we cannot build enough buildings and churches to reach this community? Amen. Well, six months ago, we began officially and launched our forward campaign. This is our capital campaign. It's a three-year plan, really to, to raise all the money that we need for our new building. It's a big project. It's a big program. It's an $18 million uh, building program, and that's a lot of that's due to the inflated cost of everything at the time that God called us to build it. But I don't even know God is not bound by inflation, and He knew what He was doing when He asked us to do this. But here's what He's asked all of us. I believe everyone in our church gets to be a part of helping make this happen. So I want to ask you: uh, We've had about 450 to 480 families join our forward campaign, this three-year program, to fund our new building, and I want to invite the other. 2,000 families that are a part of our church to join our forward campaign, do something over these next three years and join in this process. Listen, it will cost you something to build a church for other people. It may be a church building that you never even attend, but I don't even know we serve a God and we do stuff all around the world for places we never go. And I wanna invite all of you to join our forward campaign. You can scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you and follow the link for our forward campaign. It's an exciting time to build God's church. Thank you for being a part of it. Let's all do this thing together. Amen, everyone. Amen. Hey, today I'm very excited to start a four-week series walking through the book of Ruth. Since you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Ruth chapter one. If you're not familiar with Ruth, it's the eighth chapter of your Bible. So go to the left and go eight chapters, eight books in rather, not eighth chapter, eighth book of your Bible. And it's only four chapters. It's actually jam-packed with a lot of great stuff. And we're gonna teach through this entire series in four weeks. I'm excited about this series for a number of reasons. Every week will be one chapter, so you can plan ahead. And I want you to read this book uh, this week a couple times, get, get familiar with the book of Ruth and start underlining and making notes and put question marks where you have questions. But I'm excited about this series for a couple of reasons. I think it's really good to speak to us as a church for where we are and where we're headed and how we wanna be a church in our community. But also I'm very excited that my wife is gonna preach one of the messages in this series. Now listen, she preaches at me all the time. So I just feel like it's time for you guys to get a little dose of what I've been dealing with for 20 something years. Honestly, Stephanie is excited uh, to preach in this series and, and uh, it's a great text. It's a great story of God. It's a great story of God's direction. Ruth is a story of how God intervenes through pain, painful circumstances about his plan of redemption and God's faithfulness through painful times and uh, low times and high times. I've titled today's message, God Will Be With You Through Pain. I just wanna tell you on the front end, that today's message may feel a little heavy-weighted and I didn't write the Bible, I'm just preaching it and the content of chapter one, it has some heaviness to it. So I, uh, it, I decided since it's gonna be a little heavy, I put a suit on for you guys. So some of you are asking if, if everything's okay with me. I'm fine. I'm just an adult and I own suits. So anyway, it's pretty rare. But um, no, truthfully, it, it's a heavy message. And so I just want you right now, just take a deep breath and go, okay, here we go. Uh, let me ask you on the front end, how many of you can be honest and I don't need you to move or whatever, just maybe tip your hand up and say, man, I'm just kind of going through some stuff right now and I, I need to see the Lord's provision. I need to see the Lord's hand on my life. You got something going on? Yeah, come on, all right. All the rest of you liars, if you're not, uh, you will be soon enough. Just give it a month. 
you know, family uh, holidays are coming, so there's, there's that. <clears throat> I turn to Ruth 1, let me just ask you some honest, let me say something to you honestly. And it may feel heavy, but I just, I, I just think it's the nature of the tone of the message today. Sometimes life can just be painful. It can be the unexpected death of a loved one, the loss of a long-time relationship. A kid got sick and, and a new diagnosis. It could be the pain of war and conflict. I mean, every time I turn on the news right now, I just I feel like my, my eyebrows go heavy and I just, I wanna pray. I'm watching what's happening in Israel and I'm just, I'm sad, I'm mad. It's just terrible. On all sides, it's terrible. All of us wanna take sides on that issue, by the way. Just take sides with the wounded and the grieving and just, you'll be, just stay in the place of compassion over winning some Facebook argument, right? It's terrible. It could be pain of war and conflict, disease, job loss, so many things. As followers of Jesus, we are not immune to painful times. I don't know if you've grown up believing, like if I give my life to Jesus, he'll make all my life easy. He'll make all my wildest dreams come true. Problem is that's just never something Jesus said. Jesus actually taught us in John 16, in this world, you're gonna have troubles and tribulations. He said, in other words, it's gonna be hard. Just like in John 17, he's praying for his disciples and he actually tells the father in his prayer, he said, I'm not praying to remove them from this world, but that they would be in this world and they would be different in this world and that they would endure this world and that they would be a light in this world. Jesus never promised that we would be without pain. We live in a fallen world with sin and sinful people and disease and despair and tornadoes and cats. We live in a world of pain on many levels. Jesus would say in John 16, in, a wor- in this world we'll have trouble, but take heart. Here's what he says, be encouraged. I've overcome this world. And here's what Jesus is telling us there. Because we belong to him, we belong to the one that's overcome it all. And it's not that we belong to him, so now we, we found a way out of trouble. Watch this. But because we belong to Jesus, we've found a way through the trouble and it's with him. So I just need to set the tone of that. Like our life is painful. World can be hard. Most of you, if you're honest, you probably have more good days than bad, but how many of you know the bad days just you remember them longer, right everybody? So how do you respond when your life is tragic? How do you respond when life brings major pain? Not the movie, good movie, but brings issues into your life. Some folks say there's really three responses, right? Fight, flight, freeze. Some of us, when life is painful, we run. We go away. We avoid, we evade, we, we dip out. Marriage is tough, we leave. Work is hard, we quit. Or we see pain as a reason to fight. We're gonna fight somebody. Very often, the ones who take the most blows are the ones closest to us. Or maybe we freeze, we lock up, we don't know what to do. We just go, I can't do anything. I'd rather be immobilized than go through this pain. And for some of us, pain is a reason for us to grow bitter. Ruth is a book that starts out with tremendous pain. It's actually an amazing story. You should all know this story. It has tremendous pain and a lot of grief. It's like a movie that starts out with the death of the main character. This book begins with pain, but we're gonna see God in the middle of it all through all this pain. Now watch this. If you're taking notes, since you're taking notes, write this down. Sometimes life is just really painful and it doesn't make sense why. Ruth chapter one, verse one says, in the days when the judges ruled over Israel. If you're not familiar with kind of the the big overarching story of the timeline of God's people, uh, in in the first five books of the Bible, we've got God wanting to be the king of his people. We kind of blew that in the Garden of Eden Then God's trying to redeem through the law and through Moses. And he's saying, I'm in charge, I'll be the king. And and then in, in Joshua, 
We see the people coming into the promised land after Moses' death. Joshua brings the children of Israel into the promised land and they immediately start rebelling against God and they start clamoring for a king. They want Joshua to raise up a king. They say, we need a king among us like all the other nations have. God says, I'm your king. And they're like, yeah, 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 okay, fine. But we want a king like us. We want a king that we know. We want a king that we can go knock on his door and ask for things. God says, you can knock on my door. You can pray, you can talk to me. I'll be your king. And then the Israelites are like, but we want a king. So God's like, I'm not giving you a king. He gives them judges. And the judges are assigned. So we're now, after Deuteronomy, we've gone through Joshua now, judges. The judges are these men and women leading the nation of Israel and they're holding the people accountable to the law of God. So they would be the one to judge over the nation and to judge when they're violating the law or they're doing the word of God rightly. And the Bible's really interesting in the book of Judges as you read through it, there's a number of judges throughout that, that book. And it says, every time a righteous judge raised up, raised up, then the whole nation served God. But every time an unrighteous judge was in charge, how many of you know when unrighteous run a nation or then it says the whole nation abandoned God. So this system is not working. They needed a king and they needed God. God, They rejected God's kingship. Hello humans, that's what we all do. And so then God gives them judges. How many of you know judgmental people are not our favorite either? But in the time when judges are ruling, this is the time of Ruth. It says there was a famine in the land. Now there's bad news. We have no reason to know why the famine, was it a curse of God? Was it something to do with just, you know, who knows? In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And there was a man of Bethlehem in Judah who went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Moab is a neighboring country. These are enemies of Israel. But this man goes to Moab because, hey, bad days have hit Israel. What does he do? Flight. Remember I said fight, flight, freeze? This man decides to take his family and go to Moab. So they leave Bethlehem in Judah and he goes to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife, and he had two sons. Now we have their names. The name of the man was Elimelech. That's fun to say, isn't it? Elimelech. And his wife was Naomi. Circle Naomi's name. She's the main character in the story. The names of his sons were Malon and Chilion. I just feel like that has to be said like that. Like, what's up, man? I'm Chilion. Hey, if you need a baby name, Elimelech, call him Eli or Lech, whatever. <clears throat> Got Malon, Chilion. They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem and Judah. Now watch this. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. It's an interesting setup for the story. Bad days hit Israel. This family flees. Elimelech was married to Naomi. That's the husband and wife. They have two boys. And because of famine, they leave their country, the place where God's people are, and they go to a neighboring country called Moab. Now, Moab was known as a green and lush valley in the middle of a very serious desert. So it was smart to say, hey, there's green grass there. There's, there's lush rea- uh, reserves there in Moab. So maybe well-intended Elimelech says, hey, I can deal with the Moabites. I just need to go take care of my family. We don't know the total motivation, but it was a place of provision for Elimelech and his family. And listen, Many of us, like, we, we're gonna do what is necessary to provide for our family, right, everybody? The Moabites, however, this was a place you had no business hanging out. The Moabites were loosely connected historically to the religion of the people of Israel. They were descendants of Lot. If you know the story of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, etc. they were descendants of Lot, but they hated God. They were antagonistic and very often major conflictors with Israel. In fact, in the book of Numbers, God condemns the Moabites for worshiping false gods and for sexual immorality. Hmm. So Elimelech, his wife and two boys, when it's hot and heavy, a famine, flee, and they go to the enemy's camp. 
Verse three says, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi died. So it's already bad enough there's a famine. Now the husband, the, the leader, the breadwinner is dead in a land they don't belong in. Y'all see in the setup for the story, it's a little weird, huh? Elimelech, the husband of Naomi died. And so she's left with her two sons. These two, these sons took Moabite wives. Why? Because they live in Moab. How many of you know if you're from Tennessee where God lives and you moved to Kansas and raise your kids there, they're probably gonna marry some Kansas girls. Well, they took their kids to Moab and they married Moabite women. The two women were Orpah, fun fact, Oprah's mother named her after Orpah and then flipped the middle initials just to be different. A little fun fact for you. Because like where the name Oprah come from? It's like totally made up, right? No, Orpah. Anyway, the one was Orpah, the other was Ruth. Here's the title character of the book. Ruth and Orpah were Moabite women who married Israelite boys after the husband died. So watch this. They lived there about 10 years. They like, that's settled. That's like, I bought a house. My kids are in the schools here. I serve in the PTA. Naomi's there. And then Malone and Chilion died. So think of Naomi's story. I move by my husband's demand out of Jerusalem, out of Bethlehem, and I go to Moab, enemy camp. Okay, fine. I bring my boys there. My husband dies. Huh, raising my sons as a single mom. I marry him off to these two Moabite women. One gets a TV show. And, <clears throat> Oprah joke. And, <laughs> and then my boys die. We have no backstory as to how they died. Interesting, nobody knows how and why they died. Were they killed in battle? Did they get Lyme disease? We don't know. So that woman was left without her two sons and without her husband. Their story is important. Here's what I want you to understand. This family had left to go to Moab, take up residence with Gentiles. When life is hard, where do you run? Like they, they fled Israel. They fled Bethlehem. And they even intermarried with a group of people that they didn't belong with. Now, listen, I gotta be careful here. They, they wanted to build a new life because of famine. That's well intended. But the new life they were building was not with God's people. They actually chose to marry God's enemies. In fact, in the Mosaic law in Deuteronomy 23, we were not allowed, Israel was not allowed to co-mingle with the Moabites because they were enemies of God. I just wanna pause here and say something. Can you guys look at me real quick? The real me? Not the screens. <laughs> Look at me. Sometimes the pain we're going through, we just can't figure out why did I get this breast cancer diagnosis? Why did my marriage fall apart? Why did, why did my kids get sick and have these? Why did I lose my job? Why did they downsize corporately? Sometimes we can't control it. Sometimes the pain we're experiencing is the company we're keeping. Sometimes the pain we're walking in is because we've left the house of God and we've got into the house with the Moabites. And even though we've been there 10 years and we've grown to be comfortable and safe and we're the outsider and we're, we're close to God and whatever, sometimes our pain is because we're in bad company. I'm not saying, and I gotta be very careful here to explain, I'm not saying Elimelech, Malone and Chilion died because they moved to Moab. I don't know that, the scripture's not clear. So I'm not gonna put God on this post where he's punishing them for moving to Moab. I don't know that, you don't know that, we don't know that. But sometimes our pain is our squad. Sometimes our pain is we get out of the church. 
Sometimes our pain is we, we just go 50-50, we're 60-40 in with the church and, and we're doing life with people in Moab that are enemies of God with sexual immorality and, and antagonism towards God and they don't love the God we love. And sometimes our pain is we move out of the place because it's hard with God's people sometimes. And at Bethlehem, there was a famine. And man, I gotta provide for my kids. And they don't have all the ministries that I need in my church for my kids. So I'm gonna go find another place for my family. And sometimes we get out when it's hard with God. I'd rather it be hard with God than hard away from God. And I'm telling you, some of us, our pain is because we've gotten away from God's people. I'm not saying that's why Elimelech, Malone and Chilion died. We don't know. Some of us, we've brought pain into our own lives. Moab was not a destination city for God's people. Embracing their way of life was not something God would have wanted so much so it's a group he condemned in Deuteronomy 23. It would be better to stay put through hard times in the place where God and his people are than to move out because he got a little, t- let me tell you something, we're trying to raise a lot of money right now to build a new church. It's a hard time at LifePoint Church. It's a hard time to be here. I'd rather stay put through this thing and be in this thing until we build that new thing and get it all paid off and launch that thing and reach more people. I'd rather stay put. We've had some people say, hey, I'm gonna dip out during the fast because I don't like it when it's fast time and it's cold and it's hard and I'm hungry and I don't wanna do it. So I'm gonna dip out for three months, three weeks. No, 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 it's better to stay put in the hard times with God than to dip out and to find friends in another camp. Naomi and her husband, here's what we know, we believe they loved God, but he still died. Those boys, we have no reason to believe they didn't love God. They love their Moabite women. Maybe they thought I'm missionary dating. Some of y'all need to stop missionary dating. In fact, all of you, if that's your role, stop it. They should have never, truthfully, they should have never married these women because they should have never left Bethlehem. It was painful. Sometimes pain's unavoidable, but sometimes it's because we get out of God's plan. Listen, I, I wish I can give you a straight answer as to why life is hard. There's a philosophical paradigm we deal with in the theological studying world. It's called a theodicy. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Let me tell you why. Because we live in a fallen, broken world with sin and pain. And sometimes it's my sin. Sometimes it's the sin of others. I'll never forget when I, when I was dating Stephanie in November of 2001, October of 2001, I go to Ohio to ask her dad to marry her. Fellas, hey, you better man up and ask her dad first. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Said from a dad with daughters, all right? And I go up there to meet with her dad and we're friends and all this stuff and I, ha- I wanna ask for her hand in marriage. And, and the grandfather comes in. First time I got to meet Grandpa Peffley. The first thing he says to me was, I love you. First thing he ever said to me, I love you. And he said, I want, if you're gonna marry my granddaughter, you need to tell her that every day for the rest of her life. And I get the permission. And there's a photo of me and Grandpa Peffley sitting on a couch getting to know each other. And I was really excited for the, to get to know this guy. We left to go back to college at UT. And about two weeks later, we got a phone call that somebody ran a stop sign and Pef T-boned him, severed his spine and killed him. Sometimes the sin of others makes life really painful and unfair. We live in a fallen, broken world. I never got to spend time with Grandpa Pefley. I'm so thankful the first thing he ever told me was he loved me. We don't have answers to all of these whys. We don't know the why, we just know that it's hard. You may be walking through some things. I asked you earlier, if you're going through some stuff, it could be conflict with family. You may feel woefully lonely. You may struggle with your health or a bad diagnosis, pain of war, natural disasters, human sin. It could be your ride or die crew is not the right crew. 
But I want you to know, just because you're walking through pain doesn't mean pain gets to win over you. I want you to understand that you're an overcomer in Christ. I wish Naomi had these texts. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. If God be for me, who can stand against me? Listen, I don't think Naomi had these verses to quote, but you do. And you can walk through some painful times. But here's what happens. Pain tends to push us in many ways, doesn't it? You ever notice what pain will do to you? It'll make you say some crazy stuff, think some crazy things, do some crazy stuff. Remember, fight, flight, or freeze. Look at verse six. So she arose, Naomi, with her daughters. Now her husband's dead and her sons are dead. She arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. Watch this. Because she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had again visited his people in Bethlehem and given them food. Can I tell some of you, all you need to do to see the hand of the Lord is just wait. Some of y'all just need to be patient on God and let him come back around and show up again. Maybe he's walking you through a painful season to teach you some things, not because he's mad at you. Had, had, Had Naomi and Elimelech stayed put, they would have been in that crew on the first wave of God's blessing when he tries to show up again. Anyway, I'm preaching. So she had heard in the fields that the Lord had visited his people. So she's going, hey, let's set out from this place. So she sets out from this place where where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah out of Moab. Verse eight says, but Naomi said to her daughters, go, return each one of you to your mother's house. Interesting, they have no one but her. They were daughters-in-law, they're grafted, they've left their family of origin to become family with her and she's pushing them away back to their own family. She says, go each one of you back to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest. Each of you, she's blessing them. She kisses them. She lifts up their voices and they wept. Verse 10 said, they said to her, Orpah and Ruth, no, we are gonna return with you. This is actually the custom of the day. We're gonna return with you to your people. But Naomi pushes them again. Turn back, my daughters. Why would you go with me? Can I just say a point here? Sometimes pain is the reason we push others out of our lives. This is what Naomi's doing, the only family she has. We see no grandchildren, we see no siblings, no cousins in them. We see her two daughters-in-law, and when life is hard and life is painful, she's pushing people out of her life. And some of us, that's what we do. Pain is a reason we push others away. She's rightfully grieving, probably felt obligated to give her daughters a way out. She pushed them away and told them to leave. She says, go back to your families. Look, just start again, get remarried and have some babies. Verse 13, she tells why, because it is exceedingly bitter for me. Watch this, Naomi introduces her bitterness now. She's not just sad and grieved, she's bitter. She says, it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake, watch who she blames, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. By the way, we have no indication of that. We do not see that at all, God did this to her. But notice Naomi's upset. She's specifically upset because the circumstances are so difficult and she has decided to get bitter. Can I tell all of you, bitterness is your decision. Bitterness is your choice. Years ago, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, Randy Carter, who told me I was walking through some pain and some things that had happened. And he said, Mike, you can always vent to me. You can always be honest with me. He said, no matter what happens, just do not allow your heart to grow bitter. And then he told me this warning. He said, for when you grow bitter, it's almost impossible to turn it back. To God. Sometimes pain is why we push others away. Look at me. Sometimes pain is why we push God away. That's what Naomi did. I've pastored a long time. I've watched people get mad at other people. I've watched people get mad at the church, mad at their pastor. 
I've watched people get mad at God, but I wanna urge you to remember this. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. I don't care what you're going through, you need to decide now, no matter what I face, I will not push God away. Decide today, I will not become bitter. That means I'm closed off. She says, my bitterness, the Lord's hand is against me. No matter what happens, you might grieve, it may be hard, it may be a long season of pain, but you decide to not grow bitter. It is way harder to come back to God when you've been bitter at him for so long. Verse 14 says, they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And this time Orpah kissed her mom and dipped. But Ruth clung to her. This is why Ruth becomes a hero in this story. Naomi says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and even to her gods, which shows you the Moabites didn't worship God. He said, she says to Ruth, your sister's left and she's gone back to her people and her gods. You should return with her. And Ruth says, do not urge me again to leave you or to return from following you. Watch her promise. For where you go, I'm going. Where you lodge, I'm gonna lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more if anything but death separates me from you. And when Naomi saw Ruth was determined, she didn't say anything else. Can I tell you something? What's interesting for me is that for Naomi, when life was hard, she pushed others out, she pushed God away, she chose bitterness, and she was insistent to be alone in her misery, to be a, a bitter woman for the rest of her life. But Ruth insisted that when Naomi was in pain, you may push others out, you may push God out, but Ruth said, I'm pushing myself towards you. I'm coming into your life. I'm not gonna let you do this on your own. Listen, I wanna be the type of church. I wanna be the type of people that makes the decision. We're gonna rush in when people are going through pain. When a marriage collapses, I'm on your front porch. When the diagnosis is terrible, I'm coming to the hospital room. When the husband goes to war, I'm bringing you a casserole. Praise God. You may be tempted to push some folks out of your life and get bitter at God. But I wanna be a people like Ruth who says, when my friend's in prison, I'm coming to visit. When my friends are hungry, when there's some homelessness in this city, we're rushing in. This is why we have such great partnerships with YAPAC Outreach, Convoy of Hope. The Hope Pregnancy Center finds 15 and 16 year old girls who find themselves pregnant. And when a lot of church folks wanna push them out, we run in and we go, no, 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 we're with you, girl. We're gonna celebrate you. We're gonna dedicate that baby in front of everybody and we're gonna celebrate. Look what the Lord can do to turn a life around. This is why we run to pain. This is why we do serve day. This is why we do missions. I wanna be the kind of person that Ruth showed up to be. I don't know about you, but that's who I wanna be. I don't wanna be like Naomi, who pushes God out and people out. I don't wanna be like Orpah, who asked me twice and I'm out. I wanna be like Ruth, who says, you cannot get rid of me. I'm in it to win it. I think Ruth was the OG ride or die. And Naomi had to get to the point where she's like, fine, I won't argue with you anymore. I mean, Ruth said, I will take on your God. I will take on your, where you're buried. I'm in the next plot over. What kind of person are we gonna be? How many of you know we need each other when it's really hard? We need each other. I tend to be a leave me alone person when my life is hard. I'm gonna go think it out. I'm gonna go mull it out. I'm gonna go figure it out. Whenever I stub my toe at the house, I let everybody know. Oh, Lord Jesus, ah! my kids come rushing. What is it, dad? And I go, leave me alone. 
I will suffer alone. What you gonna do, touch it? No, get away. But as I've grown older, I've realized I need others. Because how many of you know when, when my right arm's down, I need somebody else to write for me and they've probably got good handwriting finally. This is when we need each other when it's hard. Verse 18 says, so the two of them went on until they got back to Bethlehem. Watch what happens. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Remember, they've been there over 10 years in Moab. And these women have survived the famine. And for whatever reason, Elimelech and and Naomi, they left and they got this new daughter-in-law. And they come back and they're going, is this Naomi? Not, where you been, you prodigal son? Look what the cat dragged in. No, no, no. They were stirred as a people and they're going, Naomi's back. Come on, everybody, let's celebrate. How many of you know I want us to be a church that when folks come back into the house of the Lord, we don't say, well, look what the cat dragged in. I can't believe what you've been doing. Well, wait till they find out what you've been up to. Who cares? They're home. It's like the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. I don't care where you've been. I'm glad that you've been here now. I'm glad you're back. And the whole city was stirred. And listen, I want you to understand, you may try to push us out, but we won't push you away. You may try to push God out, but you need the church. This is like, I find it so amazing as a pastor, when people go through some stuff, then they dip out of church. Marriage falls apart and then you divorce us too, or you lose your job and you're embarrassed. And so you go, I can't show my face around there. What do people think? We're gonna think, are you here? We can't believe you're, oh man, thank God you're here. What do you need? Because we are family. And when you are in hard times, you need your church. It says the whole town was stirred. Can we be the kind of people that run to folks in their pain instead of judging them of why they're in pain? Can we be the kind of people that can't wait to be a part of the lives of others when it's tough? Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna let you spend the night with us. I'm gonna bring you a lasagna for the love of God. Man, we're gonna sit on that porch with a whole half gallon of Rocky Road Bluebell ice cream and we're just gonna go and we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna pray. We're gonna keep eating. gonna have chocolate running down our face. I want us to be that kind of people. This is why everybody at LifePoint needs to be a part of a small group. This is the beauty of small groups. Let me tell you something, every time my life is hit hell head on, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I can look at my small group and say, hey, I'm going through some things and I need some prayer. And they don't look at me and go, well, you brought it on yourself. You probably shouldn't have said that dumb thing on a Sunday. They never say that to me. They go, what do you need, bro? And what's great is the next three to five days, I'm getting texts, hey, I'm praying for you today, man, what's going on? I, hey, just checking in, how you doing? Man, we need to be a people like Bethlehem was to Naomi. They didn't rush out to the city and go, where you been all these years? They go, we can't believe you're back. She brings her new daughter, watch Naomi, she's still mad, watch this. She says to them as they respond, is this Naomi? She goes, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. which is the Hebrew word for bitter. Can you imagine? Don't call me Mike, call me Bitter Bill. <laughs> and that's how she responds when they're like, let's throw a party, Naomi's back. Don't call me Naomi, don't throw me no party. I just need, call me Mara. And then she says this, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, And the Lord has brought me back. Interesting she said that. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me 
and the Lord has brought calamity upon me. Can I just ask us to be objective for a second? That never happened. God's not dealt bitterly with her. Do you see that in the text? Have y'all seen that when I read this? And then one day God was mad and decided smite you. What's interesting about this whole book, it's one of the only books in the Bible where God doesn't speak. It never says, thus says the Lord. Ruth, I'm gonna kick your face in. I'm gonna deal with you bitterly. Though God never speaks, he's constantly moving. She even says, the Lord brought me back after dealing bitterly with me. Can I just tell you something? You might think God's against you. That don't make it true. You might think the Lord's dealt bitterly with you. That doesn't mean it's right. You may blame God for your family falling apart or your dad walking out on your family. You may blame God for your kid's diagnosis that took her life. That doesn't make it true. And Naomi said things out of feelings and not out of faith. And she said it out of her bitterness and not out of truth. And you, listen, God can take your anger. He can take your bitterness. Pain's coming. You might be in some pain right now. You might wanna push God away, blame others. When the church is trying to wrap around you, you may say, hey, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't talk to me, just let me be. That don't make it right. Don't make it true. Finally, I want you to understand this. I'm gonna close this down in one minute because I wanna pray for you. God's not absent in your pain. Though the Lord never speaks in the book of Ruth, he's very busy. Verse 22, I love, I, like, I was shocked when I saw this in the text. Makes me, makes me emotional to see this. Verse 22, so Naomi returned to Bethlehem and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, from the country of Moab, the enemies of God, watch this, they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. How many of you know God doesn't waste words in the Bible? There's a reason God wanted that picture in this story. They came back at a time of barley harvest. Naomi and Ruth are widows, which means they are now wards of the state. They are fully dependent because in this culture, if you're a widow, you can't work, you can't run your, home, your own home, you don't own land, the husbands did in this culture, and all of a sudden they're both widowed and they have no means of providing for themselves. And the story says God brought them back at a time of barley harvest. In the law, there was a provision for widows, orphans, and foreigners that every season of harvest, you leave the edges of your field unharvested so that widows, orphans, and foreigners could fill their pantries with the edges of your fields. And the Lord brought them back at a time where they could fill their cupboards on day one. The Lord brought them back at a time where they're mad, she's mad at God, he's dealt bitterly with me. And let me tell you something, church, you might be bitter with God, he is never bitter with you. You may feel like the Lord's abandoned you and you don't see the hand of God providing for you. That doesn't mean he's not working. He brought them back at a time where their full provision would be made known for them, but that they were welcomed home by the people and they literally could fill their bags to overflowing with the edges. Look, look at me. This is why 
We plant churches and this campus pays for it with our margins of our money so that thousands of people can come and glean off the edges of our fields so they can come to know Jesus. This is why we give to YAPAC because what you have left over is gonna be all the provision that a foster family needs or a homeless family needs because God has a system in place. You may feel like he's abandoned you, but he will come through for you because he is a good God and you can grow as bitter as you want. He'll never grow bitter at you. You can get as mad or as angry and and reject him and push him away, but he will subtly without your permission and sometimes without you noticing, make a way for you to have your needs met. How many of you know this is why we serve a good God? You may have hard times going in your life right now, but I'm telling you, God is seeing you. He's for you. He's watching over you. He's gonna use your church to come around you, to bless you, to care for you. Could you stand across this room and watching in any other location? Come on, stand to your feet with me. I'll never forget when my wife and I lost everything in a fire. We'd been married two years and we lost it because of somebody else cooking dope in their apartment, blew up the entire building and we, everything was lost for everybody. 24 apartments gone. I didn't do that. I was a pastor at a church. I'm working for God and I lose everything in a fire. It's one of these stories. Lord, I didn't ask for this. And I'm in like go repair mode, fix mode. And I'm like trying to build a life with my wife again. We owned nothing but the clothes that we were wearing, which were not very flattering PJs, everybody. And I'm working really hard to put my life back together. And I'm not noticing people come by dropping off envelopes. Here's $500 bills. Here's $800. Here's, here's a whole bunch of clothes for you, Mike. Hey, Steph, I'm gonna take you on a shopping spree. And I'm like, man, we gotta build this whole thing. And I'm overlooking the little, the little ways that God provided through his church. By the way, it was interesting. They took her on shopping sprees. They gave me their old bags of garbage clothes from the attic, <laughs> moth holes. They're like, I ain't, I ain't worn, this is my old hunting clothes, bro. I don't even fit me. You have at them. Whatever. It took me a while to see the Lord's provision maybe was incremental at times, like just a couple handfuls of barley. It was through the church that God provided for us where four months later, we're in a brand new house with the 20% down payment given to us by church people. We had all new furniture, all new clothes set me and pantries full of everything. And what, when it started as a tragedy, I couldn't help see anything but the tragedy. I just want you to see before the end, God is working in your pain. And I want us to be a people like Ruth who run to it. We commit to you as your church. We're gonna run to you and help you. Get on a prayer call, get on with our care team, get in with a pastor, go to a small group. Let your church come around you when it's painful. Let the Lord prove himself to you. Amen, everyone. Would you lift your hands in prayer as our prayer team comes to the front of the room. God, we love you. We choose today to trust your word. We're not gonna push others away. We're not gonna push God away. We're not gonna grow bitter. We're gonna see the church as your provision and your family to come around us. God, we choose today, like Ruth, to be a people who run into the fire when people are in need. We're gonna be a people like Ruth who press in and say, I'm not gonna leave you in your pain. And we're gonna be the people that God, you've called us to be as a church. We thank you, Lord, that you're a provider. You're a giver, you're a good God. We may grow bitter and harsh, but God, you never do. And I pray that we would see, Lord God, the hand of the Lord. You never forsake the righteous, your people. Would you pray this with me around the room? I gotta close this service. I'm sorry. If you need prayer, come get it at the end. But listen, especially if you raise your hand early and you say, I'm going through some things, I'm going through some pain. I want everybody to pray this together, but this is really for you especially. Come on, pray this with me. Say, say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you love me forever. I believe you're my provider. You're my hope. 
You're my restoration. You are my God. As hard as this world may be, you are still a good God. You're walking with me. You'll provide for me. I believe it by faith and I will begin to see it in Jesus' name. Say, Lord, I confess, Jesus is Lord of my life. I am a child of God. So my problems are your problems and I will not see the righteous forsaken or his children suffering. And I'm your child, you are with me and I'm with you forever. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Amen, church. Amen. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.